0: Joey, thanks for that, like always And everyone, welcome to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast I'm Juno Bacola Appreciate you tuning in, downloading, listening From whatever platform, website, different app That you're tuning in It feels like it's been forever, huh? The holiday, 4th of July, right in the middle And honestly, if you can Take a, a minute and uh, just A little think positive for Mr. Bacola out there He... Has had some surgery, and it was a uh, kidney and prostate stuff. And it wasn't supposed to be too bad, but there have been some complications, like an infection. He's been in and out of the hospital a couple different, a couple times. It looks like right now he's doing uh, a lot better, but it's been he's been rough for the last week or so with uh, with my pops in and out. So keep your fingers crossed. Think uh, think positive for him, and uh, say a, a nice little uh, a little positive thought and prayer if you have a second. Nothing. One of the more uncomfortable things is um, downstairs, right? When you're having trouble going to the bathroom or anything to do with, with you know, your stomach. and uh, So, that's uh, that's something that's never comfortable. So, I hope, hope everyone out there does not have to deal with, with that. Let's move on to a, a more positive note, right? Not, not the most positive way to get the show started. How about let's go to some positivity. The Women's World Cup USA! We win the World Cup. Congratulations to the women now. In eight World Cup Women's World Cups, they've won four of them. they finished second in another and they finished third three times. They have never been worse than third in all eight. That is incredible. And the topic that has come up now with the, the Women's World Cup and the Women's Soccer Team is the equal pay. They don't get paid nearly as much as the U.S. men's Soccer team does and let's be frank And let's be honest they are much better So the question is do the women Deserve it do they deserve The equal pay as the men No They deserve more They deserve more This team you think about it Just think about the average person How many of players on the men's National team could they even name Two three maybe This women's team is Very well known People know Rapino and Alex Morgan better than any of the men. They get unbelievable ratings, and they are a perennial winner and a powerhouse. Now, here is what I'm talking about. Here's where, I don't want to say the dilemma comes in, but here's where things just get a little bit tricky. Now, the women have only been, the, the women, not the U.S. women, overall, the entire world, the Women's World Cup has only been going on since 1991. So they don't have nearly the amount of money in the prize pools as the men's world cup do. So when it comes to the, the prize for the, the world cup money, I'm okay with getting whatever portion of the prize is. What I'm not okay with is how the U S pays the, the women because the U.S. U.S. soccer federation that pays the women and the men, the women should be paid higher than the men in this case because that has nothing to do with the world cup that has nothing to do with their revenue and and I was reading uh there was a, a an article uh on USA today and it, it breaks down really what what the pay is and what the issues are in it so I'm I'm reading this article that was released on USA today from Tom Shaw and it talks about the the pay on both sides So the US Soccer Federation the Two groups are paid differently Due to differences in their collective bargaining agreements The men bargained for what the federation calls A pay for play structure That is incentive laden The women's collective bargaining agreement Includes guaranteed salaries and benefits Well they're going to work on that And they need to get that fixed Because the women need to be paid more People care more about their games They draw more fans And they get better ratings Than any of the men's US teams do It's just plain and simple so if the men's team were better, I would be saying the same thing with w- that. And that's, you know, with a lot of women's sports on the, the national le- like level, that's unfortunately why sometimes the money is different is because they don't get the bit as big of ads and they don't get as big of sponsor deals because the ratings aren't as high. That's not the case with the women's soccer. People care more about this team than they do about the men's team. They deserve to get paid the way they should. So whatever needs to happen and I I heard some like if you're someone like Nike, you know, or a big company that has a ton of money, wouldn't you love to go uh make a splash and um and you know, kind of pay these women for a big advertising deal and and kind of a record advertising deal and and make get really good publicity off of that cuz I think that'd be a great idea. We'll see what happens. But congratulations again to the women. They did a great, great job again. And if you want to read that article, it's good. It goes through all um, the specific, a lot more of the specifics of the uh, of the salaries. You know, and it talks about the World Cup. You know, the World Cup prize pools are incredibly different. The World Cup men had four hundred million dollars in prize pool, and the women had thirty thirty million. 30 million versus 400 million And the US Gets 4 million Of of that So uh, in that sense you know, Hopefully we can get more money for the women in, On the World Cup but I think the United States Need to do what they can do right now And that is boom start And find a way to get these women paid The way they should because they're awesome Everyone's been talking about them they've been a sensation They're fun too They've got good personalities. They're goofy. They have they just have a good time. They're themselves. They're not, you know, like real stu- They're not stuffy. I I love watching them. They're they're fun. They're fun to talk about. Okay, let's move on. We we'll do a little on this day segment. Uh we will have NBA free agency talk, best baseball movies. The field of 64 has now been cut in half. It's down to 32. Then we're going to go through an American League, Baseball, American League Deep Dive, I'm going to hit on every baseball team In the American League, what was their first half like Positives, negatives Spend a lot more time on the better teams And and what they have to do to try to get into the playoffs And maybe just some quick hitters on the teams Who are struggling Then we'll close things out, Saratoga I have a best bet on the Saratoga opening day Thursday card, and then we're going to go through The Skylerville, that field We'll go through each horse in the stakes race So we'll hit two races For Saratoga opening day, one in the early part of the card, one in the late part of the card. Maybe it can help you with some of your exotics. So, that's this episode. Coming up on the next episode, later this week, we'll do the National League. Today we'll hit the American League. We'll do the National League deep dive. Big Little Thoughts, we have the last two episodes of Big Little Lies to recap. Wimbledon, we're down to the semifinals in both. And we do have, on the men's side... Uh Federer, Nadal, Djokovic all still alive, and Serena's in the final four on the women's side. We'll continue on with Saratoga now opening up. You're gonna get a lot of horse racing plays. Almost every episode now we'll have either some Saratoga, some Del Mar, either a full dive on the card, a pick five sequence, a couple best bets. Because this is the time when horse racing is really, really good on a day-to-day basis. You can find a lot more value. And over the weekend. There's Arlington, Indiana Derby Los Alamitos Derby And then Stranger Things Just finished watching Stranger Things We'll give everybody a few more days To finish up and then we'll uh, we'll Break down season 3 Of Stranger Things On this Day In 1040 Way back in 1040 On this day Lady Godiva rides naked on horseback through Coventry According to legend to force her husband, the Earl of Mercia, to lower taxes 1040 Riding naked on horseback, Lady Godiva Well done 1778 We'll skip ahead American Revolution, France declares war on the Kingdom of Great Britain We'll go to 1913 Starting to get warm now In Greenland Ranch, Death Valley, California It hit 134 degrees Fahrenheit The world's highest recorded temperature 1913, 134 Death Valley, California You know who's from Death Valley? The Undertaker I remember when they used to announce his uh, Introduce him when he's coming to the ring From Death Valley, California The Undertaker Side fact The Undertaker and Gino Bacola Share birthdays Oh yeah, we're birthday buddies Me and The Taker 1940 The Battle of Britain begins As Nazi forces attack The shipping convoys in the English Channel In 1975 Share Files for divorce From Greg Allman 10 days after Their marriage So, I guess what Cher said was, I'm strong enough to live without you strong enough and I quit crying long enough now I'm strong enough and to know you've gotta go. Could I, I, I mean, I could keep going. I know the whole song, folks. I mean, I could compare your water's high You'll never see me cry. This is our last goodbye. It's true. I'm telling you. Share strong enough to live without Greg Allman 10 days after they married in 1975. 2012, the American Episcopal Church became the first to approve a right for blessing gay marriages. And twenty eighteen, Drake surpasses the Beatles record of most singles in the Billboard Hot 100 with seven against their five. It was from his album Scorpion. Drake, Toronto Raptors fan. I mean, he's probably got mixed feelings right now, right? You get the championship, Kawhi leaves. Of course you wanted Kawhi to stay, but it can't you can't feel like you never thought you you never would have gotten Kawhi. You went all in and you won. Mixed feelings, but hey, I'll take the championship, right? I'll take it, and that'll kind of lead us right into discussing NBA free agency. Nice little, nice little tangent there. So recently, the big, 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 big news was Kawhi Leonard and Paul George signing with the Clippers. Paul George had to. Go to Oklahoma City, ask for a trade, they traded Paul George to the Clippers, and now Kawhi is on the Clippers. So now, we have two really, really strong rosters out here in Los Angeles with the Lakers and the Clippers, and I'm a big Lakers fan. The one thing that I think has been a little head-scratching is there have been a lot of people that are... Like, down on the Lakers and that are down on the Lakers' roster and seem to be really high on the Clippers and really high on the Clippers' roster, I think they're both pretty solid. I think they both have lots of strengths. They both could have plenty of weaknesses. The key with, with both the Lakers and the Clippers' rosters, when you're a little top-heavy with LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi, and Paul George, you need those four to stay healthy. Because any any one of them getting hurt will, be, will impact... Either one of these teams' chances. I'm hearing a lot of people say, "Well, the Clippers would be in good shape if they were hurt." I don't. I mean, you think if Kawhi was hurt, you're telling me a Paul George, Pat Beverly, Lou Williams, Harold Shamit, Zubat, Jermichael Green, like those are all fine role players, but that's not a a great team. I and mean, if LeBron got hurt with Anthony Davis, Danny Green, Kuzma, the Lakers would would have. The, the difference right now with the Lakers and the Clippers are The the Clippers have a, a couple players I think who are a little steadier Down the bench than the Lakers do But the Lakers players Down the bench Have a real wide margin Of, of where they could pl- Of what, what they could be this year Right? Like a guy like DeMarcus Cousins Or Avery Bradley We really don't know what we're going to get From either one of them and as a Laker fan, I kind of like that. Because I do not you don't really need a whole lot from either one of them. You just need them to both be average and not a negative. And if that's the case, and they can come back to life a little bit. Like, look at uh, Avery Bradley. He has really struggled over the last couple of years. He's had some injuries. I'm, I'm not going to pretend like he's been great when he's been out there. But... He was traded at the end of the season and got an opportunity to play a little bit more. and so perhaps that helped get his confidence back. And he at least is the type of player who has a high ceiling. He is an all NBA defensive player at his best. He will probably never be that again, but he can he can start to climb back to that. He's not old. He's not a guy who's 35 and is a, a, a pat, way past his prime. So I, I like the, the the things that the Lakers have done with a guy like Avery Bradley, you know, with Demarcus Cousins. Demarcus Cousins had a terrible injury two years ago. He's a max player. Two years ago, he is having a great year with Anthony Davis and with Rondo with the Pelicans, and then he gets hurt. He goes and signs with Golden State, comes back after missing you know the first half of the season finally starts to get into a, a little bit of a, a groove And then he gets hurt again He And then he rushes back I thought it was really cool what he did in the finals Did he play 100%? No Was he that great? No Did he get picked on on defense a lot? Absolutely But did the Warriors need him? Yeah, they needed bodies And he did everything he could to get back for them I think Boogie is one of those players who's always been a little bit misunderstood because he wants to win he's like draymond right they'll yell and they'll scream a little bit at the ref and they'll kind of react and so but but they want to win they have passion there's a lot of players in the league that are like indifferent they get paid they don't really care they're not really driven you you know they're some nights they're great other nights they aren't I want players that are like boogie that cares and you know sometimes that passion gets him into trouble like I hope he comes into this season knowing this is another prove-it year for him. I hope he says, you know what, let me come off the bench. Let me and Kuzma come off the bench and play well together. And, and we'll, you know, we can we can carry that second unit. Or, you know, he understands that Anthony Davis and his, he, his buddies with Anthony Davis, and he's the lead on this team with LeBron, Davis and LeBron are, and Boogie's kind of a step behind them. If he plays his role, he could be amazing. I mean, look at a possible Lakers bench with Kuzma and Cousins coming off the bench. That that's a good start if if they set up their lineup that way. And you know, you look at the Clippers; they're gonna have Lou Williams and Montre- Montrezl Harrell. Trez, that's a good bench with probably Shamit. You know, Harkless, he can he's in, he can, he's he's a fine role player. He's inconsistent. He doesn't shoot that well, but he's fine. He's played in games. So I'm. I'm not negative really on either of these teams, but they both do have some holes, right? I love the Lakers versatility, but they probably need one or two more throughout the year. One or two more shooters, one or two more defensive perimeter defensive players. Maybe another another guard to help guard the point guards. Because the news now is that LeBron will be starting at point guard for the Lakers. So, we're looking at some sort of a lineup where it's LeBron at point guard, Anthony Davis at power forward, Danny Green probably at small forward. And then the way that I would the way that I would do it, I would set the Lakers lineup up with Avery Bradley, LeBron, Danny Green, Anthony Davis, JaVale McGee. You have a couple shooters to spread the floor with LeBron. JaVale starts with A D. And then when you make changes, your bench is Caruso, Cousins, Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Jared Dudley. I think that's a really good one through 10. That's an excellent one through 10. Because none of these guys have to be stars except for LeBron, Anthony Davis and we need to see a little more from Kuzma. Kuzma is the real key. He's got to take that next step. He's got to be a little bit better on defense but he's got to get to 22, 23 points offensively and he has to shoot better from 3-point. Last year, Kuzma was one of the worst 3-point shooters in the league. And that was after a very good 3-point shooting year as a rookie. So, which Kuzma are we going to get? Are we going to get... Bad three point shooting Kuzma from last year Who shot bad on a ton of threes Or are we going to get the Kuzma from the rookie year I think we'll get a combination I don't think he'll be quite as bad as he was last year I don't think he'll be quite as good as he was Rookie year, percentage wise And that's really all you need He's been working a lot with Lethal Shooter Contavious Caldwell-Pope has been working with Lethal Shooter I know a lot of the Clipper players Have been rooting with Lethal Shooter Who's a very good NBA shooting coach Who works with a lot of players individually Danny Green, let's continue on through the Lakers roster. Then we'll go through the Clippers roster a little bit more. Danny Green, he's one of the best wing defenders in the league last year. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league, year in and year out. People look at Danny Green, though, and they go, oh, he only averages nine points. That's That's what makes Danny Green even better. He doesn't demand the ball. Danny Green could go a whole game and not take one shot and not care because he's playing defense the whole game. He's just making the smart play. He's making the right play. He doesn't force shots. I love him out there. He's getting a little older, so he can't play 35, 40 minutes every game, especially early in the year. You want him a little fresher for the playoffs, and that's probably the same with LeBron. It's probably the same with AD. And you look over the Clipper side, that's gonna be the same with Kawhi. It's gonna be the same with PG. Kuzma mentioned him, he's the key. When you're going through the Lakers roster, I really think people are forgetting how good Anthony Davis is. I mean, He is unbelievable. And his his injury-prone reputation, it's just wrong. Anthony Davis is not an injury-prone player. He's just not. Go look it up and look at his game log. Last year was the most games he's ever missed in his career, and that was not because of an injury. That was because the Pelicans were holding him out because they did not want him to get injured because then they couldn't trade him. 2016, 75 games. 2017, 75 games. And then last year, 56 games. So he played back-to-back years of 75 games, 75 games with over 36 minutes a game. Look at his prior years. He never missed more than 21 games. So, I don't like the whole he's super injury-prone. When you compare him to other superstars, he's never had a massive injury. LeBron. LeBron missed the most games he's ever missed last year. Now, does that mean LeBron's on the downside of his career? Absolutely. Everyone, father time is undefeated. I've been getting that a lot. LeBron's not going to be the same. LeBron, he probably will never be the LeBron that he was from two or three years ago. But you think LeBron is just done? He's never had a major injury ever. Last year was the first time he really had an injury. So he's not allowed one. Every other player is allowed multiple major injuries. Now, they get those injuries usually when they're younger. So I will give you that. But LeBron had the whole offseason now. No playoffs. This is the first time he's been fresh in like a decade when he hasn't had all these extra finals games and all these extra playoff games, this is the first time where he's got a little chip on his shoulder, I think. This is the first time where he's really being doubted. People are saying, nah, the team right across the hallway from you, the Clippers are better than you. So I don't think LeBron or Anthony Davis is nearly as injury-prone as people are making him out to be. LeBron spends a million dollars taking care of his body every year. Cryogenic chambers The food that he eats The 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 treatment Prior to and after his workouts I just can't imagine Him going out like this And I can't imagine that he isn't listening And hearing everyone kind of doubting him And taking this internally Because we know how LeBron is right He's a diva, he takes everything personally He sees, he reads, he hears it all I think he's coming this year With a chip on his shoulder DeMarcus Cousins, huge wild card right but they only paid $3 million for him Will he ever be that Max level player again I don't think so But can he be a, a good player in this league A good player in this league That has chemistry with Anthony Davis Or who could come off and help lead a bench unit Who can get his own shot Who isn't a great 3 point shooter But he can stretch the floor enough to make you defend him And if he's, and if he's somewhat healthy He's a fine defender it's only when he's not healthy that he's really he's a bad defender on the floor. So if you get him in in a half half health, he'll be an okay defender. You know he's like Avery Bradley. I mean, Demarcus Cousins obviously has a much higher ceiling. Even you even last year when he was hurt in the playoffs, he helped the the Warriors win a game. Might have helped him lose a game or two because they picked the other you know the Toronto Raptors were able to pick on him a little bit defensively. But there is still something in there. And I'm giving him a chance to bounce back Like how come Boogie can't bounce back Or Avery Bradley can't bounce back But Paul George did And Kawhi did And Paul George is coming off of two shoulder surgeries Right now in the offseason Paul George is not going to be ready to start this season Which a lot of people don't know Now maybe that's a blessing in disguise for the Clippers I actually think it is Because then hopefully Paul George Kind of rounding back into the form Middle of the season to the end of the season When you want to be peaking JaVale McGee on the Lakers, very nice backup big man. JaVale shouldn't be playing 35 minutes for you, 20 minutes a game, he's great he played really good defense last year good in the pick and roll and if you look at JaVale's numbers early to start the year, he was playing very well with LeBron and then he got pneumonia in the middle of the season he was in the hospital for a couple weeks and he never got back to the same I think physical shape. You imagine in the middle of a season getting sick you're not able to practice for a couple weeks and then you're just out of shape and then you're not because the season is going on and there's games all the time you're never able to really get yourself back into shape and that was a big negative for JaVale Contavius Caldwell Pope one of the more hot cold players and the Laker fans are not a fan of his he's been really overpaid the last few years by clutch even again this year he got overpaid but he fits a role and he and Contavius Caldwell Pope if you're a Dodger fan you know what I'll mean on this Contavious Caldwell-Pope is going to become, I think, the Pedro Baez of the Lakers, in that Pedro Baez was, is a pitcher for the Dodgers who was awful. He's one of those pitchers in your bullpen who, anytime he came in, the fans would boo him, my friends would text me, oh, we're done, here comes Baez. And he's flipped the script. He's transformed into one of the best relievers in baseball, and probably the most consistent relievers for the Dodgers. In the World Series last year and in the playoffs of the last year, people were saying, oh, well, if we would have brought in Pedro Baez, we wouldn't have lost that game, which is so amazing because a few years ago, he was the guy that everybody hated. And I think KCP is going to be like that. He's one of those, no, 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 yes, when he shoots because he gets hot and he can he can win you a playoff game. He can win you any game. And the thing with KCP is once he starts making shots, then he gets very engaged defensively and he can be a very good defender and guard smaller guards and guard up a little bit too. But he is so inconsistent and he's a terrible decision maker. He 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 should never be handling the ball and he should only be set up in plays where he's coming off screens. Like he's a good shooter in the right situations and in the right circumstances. He's another player who, you know, people want to rag on him. But he could very easily take a small step forward, and all he has to do is take a small step forward, and he's a very like he's an above-average NBA rotation player. Quinn Cook is fine for what he is. He's gonna come in and play, you know, backup point guard. Quinn Cook, that's what I like about this Lakers team. Quinn Cook, DeMarcus Cousins, and Danny Green, three players on this team, were getting legitimate rotation minutes in the NBA Finals just a couple just a month ago. They were three of the top. 15 players In the you know not in the league But I'm saying on those two rosters They were the you know three of the 15 players playing in the finals Alex Caruso he is a Laker legend If you don't know Alex Caruso folks Look him up right now and tell me If this if this guy looks like a basketball players Player he is You can hear by the name Spanish I think he's actually Mexican Spanish Hispanic um And he does not look like a basketball player. He has a little mustache. He's kind of balding. The story is is that when he walked in a couple years ago after the Lakers drafted him, Luke Walton and some of the coaches said, like, hey, buddy, you're lost. You're in the wrong room. Then you watch him play. He has ups. He can jump. He is. ups. Unbelievable springs off the floor. You can throw this guy alley oop, and it's amazing because he's deceiving. You're out there playing next to him, and you just don't expect this much out of him. And he's a—he's just a very solid NBA basketball player. He shoots well from three. He plays good defense, and he doesn't try to do a whole lot that's out of his his range. Alex Caruso is a very is a very solid player, and I'm expecting him to have some big moments this year for the Lakers. Jared Dudley. Go listen to Jared Dudley's podcast with Woj, some of his tweets talking about leading the defense and what he has to do for different teams. If there's any player in the league that gets it, that understands his role, understands who he is and what he can bring to a team and what he can't bring to a team. He's not trying to score 30 points. He doesn't want to play 35 minutes. He wants to help lead and he wants to help take pressure off of LeBron and Anthony Davis in certain spots, he wants to mentor a guy like Kuzma uh, he's he just, I'm really excited for what he's going to bring to this roster and and then Rondo, of all the signings I was the most disappointed with Rondo until I saw the, the rest of the roster and until I heard that LeBron is going to start at point guard because if you're paying Rondo a veteran minimum and he's just going to be at the, bot- the back of your bench he's not going to complain about playing And you maybe get him in some games here or there Maybe he can play some games when uh, LeBron or Davis sits out Or if someone else is hurt But if you're planning on playing Rondo Legitimate rotation minutes, that's a problem He has no business on on an NBA court anymore He used to be very good He's a very good Former very good player But if you look at the numbers He Is one of the worst players In the league defensively And just overall last year He was one of only a few players who has negative numbers with LeBron on the court. It's almost impossible when LeBron's playing to to have negative numbers when you're with LeBron. And that just shows how bad Rondo is right now. So he has no business on the court. Lakers second round draft pick, Taylor Horton Tucker. And then uh, Zach Norvell from Gonzaga, who I've seen play in the Summer League and I really like. He's on a two-way. To me, that is a good Lakers roster. That is a fun roster They're a lot better than they've been the last, the last few years Obviously, they're a lot deeper than they've been Remember Last year was the you know, I, I, A lot of people are ripped, that want to rip the Lakers Have they been awful The last 6-7 years? Yes But folks, they wanted to be bad 5 of those years Last year, they were unlucky, they got hurt And it wasn't a good year But they weren't bad, they were injured There's a difference The years before that, they were really bad Because they wanted to be really bad Because in in the NBA In order to be good You have to be bad in order to gain assets And so the Lakers had to Lose a lot of games to get D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle And uh, Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball And Josh Hart and Larry Nance And Jordan Clarkson and you know what All of those players that are not around Anymore except for Kuzma They helped Get LeBron James and Anthony Davis and the ability to sign these veterans. So the Lakers, all of that losing did its job. Now the Lakers are set up well. Now they have to win. The Clippers are one of a few teams who was able to, to take it the approach a little differently, right? Because the Clippers haven't really been bad. They've been pretty mediocre and pretty relevant for a while. Even, you know, they were good for a while with Blake Griffin And with Chris Paul But they never Never made a conference final Let alone an NBA final Let alone winning an NBA final This group of Clippers is different This is a different This is a different run organization This is a different owner Jerry West is in the mix Doc Rivers is in the mix They have some other Pieces in the front office That are very good Guys that don't get talked about a whole heck of a lot But they're really really smart Associates and they and know exactly what they're doing in there. So this is a different Clippers team than we've ever seen before, and I think this is a different Lakers team than we've seen the last few years. With with on the Lakers side, it's more on the personnel on the court. On the Clippers side, it's personnel on the court and off the court. Now, we that's I think why Kawhi comes to the Clippers right because they're run very well. Now, let me take a couple shots at the Clippers while I'm giving them all this credit, cuz I'm giving them a lot of credit. They signed Blake Griffin a couple years ago to a to a max deal and they promised Blake Griffin that he was going to be the face of their franchise moving forward and their big player. They had a huge ceremony where they had, you know, they covered the Lakers championship banners in Staples Center and they had Blake in there with his number retired and, and they they you know, they really poured it on thick. And then they shipped him out immediately after. My only thing as a star I would want to ask That organization You promised me everything And then you were willing To get rid of me right away What's to say that they won't do that to Kawhi or Paul George If one of them get hurt Like Blake Griffin did Now, from a business standpoint what The decision the Clippers made was correct It was better for them Look at what they were able to do With the assets they got from that Blake Griffin trade Turn it into Tobias Tobias Harris, and then turn that into some assets from Philly, and then you know use some of those picks to help get Paul George and Kawhi. So they've done it well on paper, but but th- that was a move that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way. Just overall, it's kind of like what Boston was doing with Isaiah Thomas. And sometimes when you make moves like that, it doesn't work out well for you, even if it is the correct business move. That's a move that the Patriots would make, right? And they and that works out well for them every year. So so who knows. Is Jerry West the greatest of all time when it comes to an executive? Absolutely. You see what he's done with the Lakers. People don't talk about Memphis. He was really good with Memphis. He made Memphis a playoff team. He made Memphis matter. And then he went to Golden State, and now he's doing it with the Clippers again. And he's rubbing it in the Lakers' face, which, which makes it even worse, right? As a Laker fan. So let's go through a little more of this Clippers roster now. Kawhi. Kawhi is the best player in the world right now. Best two-way player in the world. But isn't it amazing how things can change in just one year? Because one year ago, Kawhi had not played. He'd only played, what, nine games? Was it nine or 11 games through the season? He missed the whole year, basically, on the Spurs. And then he demanded a trade away from San Antonio, who has always been talked about as one of the best-run organizations in the league. So how weird is that? That's why we never know what's going on behind closed doors. We never know how these players really are. Because if you would... I thought Kawhi would be the type of player... You know, a couple years ago... Who would have just stayed in San Antonio forever. But he forced his way out... Went to Toronto... And it worked. He won immediately. So... He goes from a player that we don't even know... if What his health is like... To now he's he's jumped over LeBron... as And Durant... Because Durant's hurt... As the number one player on the planet My only thing is And I, I I still think win or lose He would be there If Kawhi and the Raptors don't win So let's say Either the Warriors win that series Hurt or let's just say Durant doesn't get hurt And Clay doesn't get hurt I don't think Toronto wins the series Against a healthy Golden State How does that change things? Are we talking about Kawhi as this number one Guy now if he didn't just go Beat Golden State like let's say they lose in that Series are we talking about Kawhi As if he's the best player in the league I don't know I that winning that title vaulted him to another Level of superstardom and it's Interesting because I wonder How all this Kawhi stuff would have would have been had He not won does that Change his decision at all then remember, Kawhi only played sixty games last year. Toronto did an amazing job. They were seventeen and five in the games that Kawhi did not play. Kawhi and I don't think Anthony Davis or LeBron, for that matter, should play eighty games, eighty-two games. They should all, you know, rest. Maybe some back-to-back, some games here and there. You can rotate around. But but Kawhi's. Hurting a little bit right now If you saw the way he was kind of walking around And everything that everyone was talking about How much treatment and how much time it took to get him off On the court and then off the court He's not a model of health Paul George just had shoulder surgery on both shoulders He's not a model of health to start the season So there are really high expectations For a Clippers team to start the year where I don't know if they're going to be rolling on all cylinders Right away And it's going to take the Lakers a little while To get the chemistry down Right? Let, like Let me not just say that it's going to be Great for the Lakers right away. I think both of these teams come playoff time though. If they're healthy, they're the best two teams in the league. Period. Not just in the West. Period. With healthy rosters, these are the two teams to beat. You have Patrick Beverly, who's a very good defender, sets the tone for your team. The problem with and he and he's a good shooter. He knows he knows when to shoot. He doesn't try to do too much Offensively Which is a great thing About Pat Beverly too But he is not He's not an all-star I think we've been People have been talking A little bit too much About Patrick Beverly But I I do Let me say this I wanted him on the Lakers I love his attitude I love the the tone that he sets Jermichael Green Fine acquisition Really good Advanced The advanced numbers Like him a lot Zubat I mean I like Avika Zubat He's a good Young Center the problem with Zubats, he's a little big. He's still a little slow. He plays better defense than you think, and he has soft hands. He's really good down and around the basket on the pick and roll. Just excellent down there. But he's still a work in progress, right? He's not a finished product, but he's but he's solid. I wish I I would honestly would love if the Lakers didn't get rid of him. It'll be funny when the Lakers and Clippers play each other Because he had a real good relationship with JaVale McGee And JaVale kind of mentored him And Zubat even talked about some days When when he had really good games It was like JaVale who had helped him And when JaVale got hurt, it was Zubat who kind of Stepped up for the Lakers last year And had a good little stretch before they traded him Which was just a horrible trade by Magic And, and Palinka. Not sure who was responsible for that trade We go to the Clippers bench You know, but before again Before we move on to Zubat he wasn't able to get on the court in the playoffs He, he didn't, you know he, He's the type of player who if teams go small he's, he's in trouble out there He can't switch really on defense He can guard a big okay But can he guard someone like Anthony Davis? I, I wouldn't bank on it Lou Williams Best bench player in the league He's been that way for years Lou Williams is one of the most underrated players in the league period He's on a great contract You know what you're going to get from him Good shooter Can handle the ball Get other guys involved. Love Lou Williams. Not going to knock him at all. Best six man in the league. He when you have Lou Williams, you know your bench is always going to be at least solid. And then you have Trez, Harrell, who took a nice step forward last year. He's very good. Those are two good pieces off the bench. And you have Shamit. Shamit's a nice three point shooter. They got back in that trade for Harris. He could be a, a lockdown. Defender and three-point shooter. He's still a little young, still a little ways away, but a rotation player in the NBA nonetheless. But, you know, like a guy like Shamit, a guy like Zubat, a guy like Jermichael Green, and even a guy like... Those are... They're a little inconsistent, right? That's what I mean with rotation players. Rotation players are, for the most part, pretty inconsistent. That's that's why they're not stars, you know what you're gonna get with Patrick Beverly from an effort standpoint every night, and that's kind of what you get with Danny Green. That's why I like to compare the two of them. I think Danny Green's a little bit better, just because he's a little better shooter overall, a little better offensive player, I think, and he's done it a little bit more. But Pat Beverly sets the tone for your team, and he's more of an aggressive defensive player. I think you know you're gonna get consistencies from those consistency from those players every night. Mo Harkless He Doesn't shoot the ball that well he's been banged up You know previously And then Rodney Magruder, Jerome Robinson And Terrence Mann at the bottom of the bench I don't know as much about them but Two good rosters Two really nice rosters This is what it will come down to Health For both teams The fits Now remember Kawhi and Paul George are both wing players Who like to have the ball in their hands So it might not immediately they can both play off ball fine. I'm not saying like they're they're incredibly like we have to be a high usage dominant player. They but sometimes it it's not going to just be immediate. Remember for LeBron and Wade it took it took a little while. And the same thing for the Lakers, LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to have to figure things out. What I like about both of these teams is the Clippers have chemistry already with a lot of these role players that were in here before Kawhi and Paul George. So, you know, their bench with Williams and Trez, they have good chemistry. You know, Shamik and Zubots and Beverly, they played together well. And, and then you look at the Lakers. LeBron and Kuzma played really well together. They have good chemistry. LeBron and JaVale played really well together. They have good chemistry. Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, and Ad played really well together. They have good chemistry, and on that squad, Rondo was also in the mix with them. And then, just for as far as knowing each other, Demarcus Cousins and Quinn Cook were, you know, on the Golden State Warriors in the finals last year. People are saying this Lakers team is like a real hodgepodge with no chemistry, and I really disagree. I, and as a as a fan, like, I'm not a homer. I root for my teams, and when we're in situations, I will always like believe like and and root for them till the end but knowing they have a chance to win is a little different and like last year I thought the Lakers could be a good playoff team and maybe make a conference final but I did not think there was any chance they could they could beat the Warriors and probably any chance they could beat the Houston Rockets I didn't think they were a championship team this year this Lakers roster and this Clippers roster they both look like They are two of the seven or eight best rosters in the league. I think if you look to the East, you're probably talking about Milwaukee and Philly as legitimate title contenders. I don't think any other East teams are quite on their level yet. Maybe we can discuss Indiana as a team when Oladipo gets back into the mix. And then when you look out West, I think you start with the Lakers and the Clippers... And then you look around Houston They have to be considered still right in that mix Portland was in the conference finals Last year I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back Denver was a top team all year I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back too I think they're all playoff teams in the mix Um, But Utah is going to be good They made some moves I think they should be up in that top tier With the Lakers and the Clippers And Houston So for me that's kind of the top tier right now I think those those four teams I don't think the Warriors are going to be bad they are going to be fun to watch I'm not sure if they'll be quite a top top tier team Anymore Let's get to some of your posts I have asked on social media For some of you to post with What your thoughts were On your team's free agency The Toastman from Philly He says the 76ers lost Butler The go-to guy on offense And they needed to overpay Tobias Horford will spell Embiid's minutes Overall defensive better but who is shooting the rock? Spooky Electric looks like a Clipper fan With the happy Balmer post So what we're going to see now too though We're going to see a lot of quote unquote Clip- I know a few Clipper fans That have been Clipper fans all their lives Through the struggle years And I'm happy that when when their team is good That they get an opportunity to root for them But, but watch, we're going to get a lot of people Coming out of the woodworks that are quote unquote Clipper fans Eric Solomon For the league as a whole, I think this offseason was great. Literally half the league should feel like their team has a legit chance to win. Can't ever remember that being the case in the NBA. Should lead to better games and less load management for the stars. You know, that's a good point. And he said as a 76ers move, as a 76ers fan, I'm good with our moves. Impressive to lose a player like Butler and still be a top three team in your conference, even if it is the East. We played a lot for Harris, probably too much, but I get it and I like the fit. That was Eric Solomon. And then over... On Facebook Howard Howard Chinchuk Says my Sixers will definitely win the East And Andrew says They'll miss Jimmy's work ethic And late shot clock scoring Howard mentions that he was more like The man in the room but Horford's a better leader Which is probably true uh, doesn't. End. and then Andrew comes back. He has a he handles the locker room, but he doesn't have the one on one late clock ability, which I think they will miss. Howard agrees. So yeah, they get a little more leadership, but they still might need someone. Well, can maybe Josh Richardson? Be? Can somebody be the guy to go too late? Because Embiid isn't quite the best to go too late. Ben Simmons doesn't have the shooting down yet. He doesn't have the perimeter game enough. Mark Mark Bondura says the Nets did great. We have to wait for KD to heal. And he says, uh, yeah, a four-year window or so for them to win it. They're going to be one of the top teams when when he comes back. We have to see how KD is health-wise, right? But they put themselves in a great spot. And Ed mentioned, Ed Rawfield. what Sean Marks has been able to do is nothing short of amazing. Howard disagrees. Timothy Sullivan says, Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge are on notice. Yeah, we've seen the Boston... Acquire a lot of assets A lot of picks A lot of assets But they couldn't really get Any of the big Big free agents To either stay Or to lure them Or to make a trade for them Didn't go in on Paul All in on Paul George Never went all in on Kawhi Didn't go all in on Anthony Davis And weren't able to get anyone They got Kemba But is that enough? What does that make them? A fourth or fifth seed? Right middle of the pack in the east? They really need Tatum To take a next step They really need Brown To take another step Todd Schmidt Likes the 76ers moves Joe McDowell just mentioned It has been a crazy offseason Joe Christofek, the Bulls On the way up, building a roster of talented youth And added a great leader in Thad Young Much dysfunction, poor health, and the worst bench In NBA NBA history last year The pieces to this year's puzzle fit nicely If Levine can develop into a top 10 player And he might They should be a team on the rise Joe, yeah You gotta have Perspective and you have to look at your team And I I completely agree, their pieces seem to fit better I like some of their young pieces It's like anything though with with all these teams With good young places With with good young pieces and good young assets You just need one of them to pop And he's mentioning Levine Can Levine be the one to pop If so, they have the role players Filled in nicely around Jeremy Ernstis, waiting for Orlando to do something Anything He kept Vucevic for relatively cheap Yeah, it wasn't a bad move uh, and Scott Powell mentions They made some good moves, they kept Vucevic and Ross While adding Aminu, I like what they're doing they still, They're still they still a little bit away though Right, they need another Big piece They've kind of been a hodgepodge of fits lately But I, I don't mind those moves Scott Dick Pacers quietly scored in the free agent market Yeah, good moves for the Pacers I like Brogdon And Lamb, TJ Warren they had uh, Scott Powell mentioned. They had stretches last year when they had too many scoring droughts, and it cost them. And, you know they had Brogdon and so when Oladipo comes back, maybe around Christmas, they're going to be tough in the playoffs. The backcourt could be one of the better ones in the league, and you know Miles Turner and Sabonis. Good, inf- good, good point, Scott Powell, and good, good point from Scott Dick. Richie Silverstein said, "At first, I thought the 76ers were getting picked apart, but additions of Al Horford." Going right back to 76ers. The Lakers, like where they were going. AD is a star, but got rid of youth. If they can get a full season out of Rondo and Boogie, they could be alright. Denver and Utah did well. And although Paul, George, and Leonard are two of my favorite players in the league, I've always found the Clippers to be a jinxed organization. Let's see if Jerry West can Blake break the curse. Jason McCardle says Clippers have one free agency so far. And overall, I would... I mean, getting Kawhi and then luring Paul George, I would agree. I, I'm not... Against the Clippers, I'm just Against them being like an overwhelming Favorite, I think they're a huge Contender of many I think they're one of the many contenders Just, it doesn't seem to me like Any of these teams are unbeatable Or any of these teams are so much better than the other Or any of these teams could Sustain multiple injuries and, And be really good, so I think that could be For, you know, I'm getting a lot of that Well the Lakers and the Lakers, it could be for All of those teams, right? Lakers, Clippers, all of them was going back and forth with uh, Jeremiah DeLeon We were talking all about the Lakers Back and forth and the Clippers rosters and Basically a lot of stuff that I had mentioned previously But it was a fun back and forth With uh, with Jeremiah Rich Byerline, Good buddy Rich, uh, the best offseason His Jazz have ever had, no question I agree Rich Scott mentions they're going to love Bogey He gives 100% all the time out there Bogdanovich and Conley is a major upgrade They're going to be really tough Tom Pogue Says F minus for the Thunder. I-, I don't know about that bad though, right? They got a lot of young pieces. They're not going to be good for the next year or two. And it looks like Russell Westbrook going to get traded right now. Maybe Miami with the Knicks, uh, Houston, some of the teams that are, are being mentioned for Westbrook. Bobby Freeman, from a betting standpoint, he said he'll take the Jazz at 12 to 1 over the Clippers at 3 to 1. Yeah, the Jazz got a big shot. Daniel Venti. The 76ers 2019-2020 Eastern Conference Champion. If I had to pick one, I would pick them over Milwaukee this next coming year. I think it's between those two teams. We'll see if, any, if they can make the moves to fill in around. Those would be the two teams I select for, you know, obviously they're going to be the two chalk teams, but I'd pick Mil- I'd pick Philly over Milwaukee right now. One of the most stressful events in life is moving. Everything that goes into the process of relocating, there are so many different factors that you have to worry about. I know someone who can make your life easier, and I'm very happy to introduce Cindy Carava, a new sponsor of That's What G Said podcast. If the name sounds familiar, Cindy is the wife of horse racing trainer Jack Carava, who's been a mainstay on the Southern California racing circuit for the last 30 years. Cindy Carava is a full service realtor that can help you in many different ways, like selling, purchasing, and leasing. She can help you find vendors like handymen, painters, landscapers, and gardeners that she personally uses in her own home. Also, if you need help with getting pre-approved for a home loan, Cindy can connect you to lenders that she works closely with and can highly recommend. Covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, and Rancho Santa Fe, if you're just curious to see how much your home is worth, she can even do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find Cindy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube Reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow Or the easiest way, cindycarava.com You can find all of her information there C-A-R-A-V-A I've known her personally for almost a decade And she is one of the most honest and genuine people I have ever met Exactly the type of person you can trust With any of your real estate needs Get to cindycarava.com right now Or, if you have any questions at all you can email her cindycrealtor at gmail.com. I know Mrs. Carava is a big fan of the baseball movies. She likes League of Their Own, The Sandlot, Moneyball, and Field of Dreams as some of her favorites. And that's a perfect transition for us as we are now moving into the best baseball movies part of this podcast. Started with 64. Have a full bracket out if you follow me on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Twitter, it's me, GinoB, Facebook.com slash Gino Bacola, or Instagram, just G Bacola. You can see the bracket. I did a full 64 team bracket, four regions, ranked them 1 through 16 in each region, just like they do in the NCAA tournament for baseball movies. We went 1 through 64. We are now down to 32. So let's go through the 32 that we have left. Top bracket. It's Bull Durham versus Cobb. Then Jackie Robinson story versus rookie of the year. Bang the drum slowly versus the bad news bears breaking training. And the scout versus moneyball. That's one bracket. The second bracket. Major League versus the Bingo Long Traveling All Stars. Mr. Baseball versus Hardball. 42 versus the Rookie. And the perfect game versus the Bad News Bears. The other side of the bracket One of the number one seeds So the four one seeds were Bull Durham Major League The Sandlot and the Natural So now the Sandlot Will be facing the eight seed in that bracket 61 Brewster's Millions and for love of the game That's a 4-5 matchup Eight men out and Major League 2 That's a 3-6 matchup Trouble with the curve and a league of their own That's a 7 versus 2 Matchup in that bracket, and then the final bracket: the natural, one of the number one seeds, taking on the eight seed, damn Yankees, four five Angels in the outfield, and little big league. Ooh, that's a big matchup there. Pride of the Pride of the Yankees versus Fever Pitch. That's a three versus a six, and then the Bad News Bears, the new Bad News Bears, against Field of Dreams. That's a number ten seed versus a number two seed. Check out all the brackets All the polls are up So make sure to go follow All the polls are only on Twitter Because it's just easier I have more Twitter followers So if I post them on there They get more responses So if you can If you're not on Twitter Just go follow me Even if you never want to tweet Go follow me on Twitter That way if you're ever If there's ever any contests Or anything like that It'll be worth your while You'll have a chance to win free prizes Or get involved in polls And things just like this Down to 32 we Voting on the Sweet 16 just a bit. Time for a little MLB deep dive. Let's get into the American League. Big shout out to Jock Peterson and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. for that home run derby the there tonight, huh? That was awesome. Overtime, another overtime, another overtime. That was that was one of the one of the most, if not the most, fun home run derby I can ever remember. And because I'm a Dodger fan too, so I'm rooting for Jock to do well. And he did really well. That was a lot of fun. And then a good, a good All Star game where American League has been dominating. <laughs> As a Dodger fan, the Dodgers did not do very well in the All Star game. The pitchers, in particular, were the ones that gave up a couple of runs of a really good, uh, some some of our really good pitchers. So let's get into the American League, and we will start with the AL East, and we'll go team by team. So you got to start with the Yankees. They have a ninety-eight point eight percent chance to make the playoffs. And an 86% chance to win their division. They are 57-31 and 31 right now. With a plus 113 run differential. They have the best record in the American League. And through 88 games. They have only had Stanton play 9 games. He's hurt again. Judge played 33 games. Tulewitzki, 5. Greg Bird, 10. Miguel Andahar, 12. Didi Gregorius, 22. And Aaron Hicks, 41. Players that were supposed to be key parts of this Yankees team this, The Yankees have no business being this good But the reason why they are First of all, they had a streak of 31 straight games with the home run In the first half of the season And even with all of the massive injuries They've been getting major contributions From DJ LeMahieu, 113 hits A 336 batting average Gleyber Torres 19 home runs, 50 RBIs hitting 292. Luke Voigt, 17 home runs, 50 RBIs hitting 280. Brett Gardner with 15 home runs, 41 RBIs, and eight steals. And Gary Sanchez with 24 home runs and 57 RBIs. They've been getting production in places that they were not expecting it, especially from DJ LeMahu, who, who's been one of the best players in the league. Domingo Herman back after a month off. He's ten and two with a three point six seven ERA and a one point oh nine WHIP. He's got eighty three strikeouts and seventy six innings. They need another pitcher though. That's not a secret, and they're out there talking about it. They're looking at Bumgarner, you know. They're looking at Bauer. They're looking at Marcus Stroman. They're looking at Zach Wheeler as possibilities to add. We don't know if Bumgardner is going to be up for trade now. Zaidi just said the Giants don't feel like they have to do anything. Bumgardner with a 4.03 WHIP this year, and a 4.03 ERA and a 1.2 WHIP. He has, still has 115 strikeouts in 112 innings. He hasn't been Bumgardner-esque, but he's the type of pitcher you make a trade for, and he could be amazing for a couple months for you and leading you into the playoffs. Bauer, 3.6 ERA, 1.8 WHIP, 1.18 WHIP, 149 strikeouts in 132 innings. The Indians are looking for an MLB ready bat to help them contend because offensively they need a little bit of help. If they're going to get Kluber back, maybe they trade Bauer or Kluber, who knows? But the Indians are contending. I don't I don't understand. I keep seeing why would the Indians trade anything when they're contending right now? Marcus Stroman you know he has a three point one eight ERA, one point two six WHIP, one hundred and four innings pitched, eighty one strikeouts. And, and Zach Wheeler hasn't been great, but he's better than than how he's how good he's been this year. Those are the pitchers the Yankees are looking at because the rest of their staff. You know Tanaka's been fine. You know what you're going to get from him. So if you have Tanaka and Herman at the top, Paxton's been okay. They expected a little bit more from him. He's been banged up a bit, but five and four with a four ERA and a one point four three WHIP. CC's given you some innings. His ERA is just over four. Hap's not really been bad It's just his ERA's been bad And he's giving up too many home runs It's all of his hits end up being home runs He's given up 20 in 17 starts They're a pitcher away Very good baseball team 6.5 games up on the uh, the Rays And they're 9 games ahead of the Red Sox right now But what's key for the Yankees In their next 23 games They play 4 with Tampa And 8 with Boston so half of their next 23 games are with the teams that are right behind them. They can either give these che- these teams a chance to get back in the hunt or the Yankees can really really pull away. Tampa the Rays are 52 and 39 and they have they've been pretty good most of the year but they had a bad June and that's really hurt them. They were 13 and 16 in June. They are the current number 1 wild card team. They are, have a two game lead on the Indians, who are the second wildcard team. The Rays have a 71% chance to make the playoffs. And the reason why is because they are just steady. They have six of their everyday players that are hitting between 252 and 289. Nothing flashy, all steady. Austin Meadows, Tommy Pham, Avicel Garcia, Yandy Diaz, Brandon Lowe, Kevin Kiermeyer. All of them have an on base percentage from 298 to 379. So we're talking. From 300 to 379 Same type of thing Nobody flashy, just steady So you really know what you're going to get most of the time from them As far as their pitching staff is concerned They've Had a great year from Charlie Morton 10-2 and with a 2.32 ERA And a 1.03 whip And 142 strikeouts in 112 innings Yanni Chirinos Who's pitched 100 innings And has a 3.15 ERA And a .99 whip Through 100 they just need a lot more From Blake Snell And if they're going to be a playoff team And be a contender down, down the stretch It's going to be because of Blake Snell And the rookie The youngster Brendan McKay Who is a two-way player And He's only made two starts so far But he's only given up three earned runs In the 11 innings pitch And he has a 2.45 ERA And there's a lot of buzz about him He's one of those really highly regarded prospects Blake Snell who you expect as a perennial Cy Young candidate now Top of the rotation He's been 5-7 and seven with a 4.7 ERA and a 1.29 whip Not great, not what they expected from him Still has 122 strikeouts and in 90 innings But they need Blake Snell and Brendan McKay Have to get more from them The next 20 games They play 4 with the Yankees and 6 with the Red Sox So 10 of their next 20 Very important games And there's a big four game series Towards the end of the season With Boston September 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd That if Tampa and Boston are close In a wild card For a wild card spot Or for something in the division That could be a really big series At the end of the year The Red Sox and touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you, sweet Kerala, ba ba 49-41, you're defending champs, they have a 59% chance to make the playoffs, the... Discussion when you talk about the Red Sox It has to really just start and end With the fact that they have 17 blown saves On the season Period You look at all their numbers on their team And they're not bad Offensively, they're pretty damn good They have the most runs And the most hits And they're they're tied for the best team Batting average in the American League Their team ERA is only 7th in the American League It's not like it's dead last so they're not awful. It's just situationally where they've been bad, and in that in that case, what the blown saves. They're now nine games behind the Yankees, which is a little concerning in the division. But they're only two and a half games behind Tampa. The issue with that is that they're currently fourth in the wild card standings. They're not just behind Tampa. They're behind Tampa, Cleveland, and Oakland. Two games behind Cleveland for the second wild card. Now. If you're a Red Sox fan, and you look at those teams that are in front of you, they probably don't scare you a whole lot, right? Tampa, Cleveland, Oakland, Boston should be able to jump those teams for at least a wild card spot. And then, if Boston makes the playoffs, and they win that wild card game, and they get a series... Or if the the Yankees collapse and then Boston, Boston's the type of team that even if they had a horrible year or a year where they were bad and they were just able to to get in, if they add a piece or two to the bullpen, they're 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 going to move Nate Valdi to the closer. If that helps, or they they maybe add one more piece, another starting pitcher, another bullpen piece, they're right there. They could beat any team in a series. Offensively, they're incredible. Look at their offense. They're getting a slight down year from bets and only. Really, in some of the production, he still has a 392 on base percentage. He's hitting 272 with 13 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Devers is hitting 324 with 16 home runs. Bogarts is hitting 294, 17 home runs and 65 RBIs. JD Martinez, another JD Martinez year, 304 with 18 jacks. Ben Attendee's hitting 275. Michael Chavez has 15 home runs. Vasquez has 14 home runs. He's hitting 299. Like, this team could beat any team. The problem is they just got to gotta get there. Because it's scary if you're a wildcard team and there's the opportunity of, oh, well, Chris Sale, who hasn't been locked down this year, if he starts game one for you and he gives up a couple runs, your season's done. But then on the flip side... They're the team in the playoffs in the series that nobody wants to play. I don't think the Yankees or the Astros or the Twins or maybe the Indians. If they, if they're not going to want to play a Boston Red Sox team that's a, a wild card team, defending champion that's been there. The real key for Boston is they got to get, they got to find a way to get in, and I don't think they're going to be able to catch the Yankees. And then it's just going to come down to a one-game crapshoot. Sale was quoted as saying, "I'm as frustrated as I've ever been recently." 4.04 ERA, 1.07 whip. The numbers aren't that bad, but he's 3-8. 153 strikeouts in 107 innings pitch. Same type of thing, though. It's been situational. The numbers aren't horrible. Look at Price. His numbers aren't bad. He's actually been or the best pitcher for the, the Red Sox throughout the year. 324 ERA, 1.14 whip, 95 strikeouts and 83 innings. Because you're not getting a lot from Porcello or Eddie Rodriguez or Hector Velasquez. Whips in the four or ERAs in the high fours and, and fives. I'd still pick the Red Sox to make one of the two wild card spots. In the bottom of the, the division, it's the Blue Jays, and they're thirty four and fifty seven. You know, mentioned mention uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is hitting three hundred three with sixteen home runs and one hundred ninety five at bats, and then Freddie Galvis who hit two seventy with fifteen home runs. Vlad Vlad Guerrero Jr. who had that incredible power display in the home run derby. Starting to get on base a little bit more now With the 328 on base percentage He's figuring things out, but he's really young And that's the thing with, with Toronto We're going to hear those names, some of those names for a while They're a really young team Vlad Guerrero Jr., Biggio, and Bichette Who will likely be coming up in the second half We've seen the younger Biggio get some playing time They'll probably trade Stroman and get some pieces back That's what they should do Baltimore Orioles, uh they are not a very good baseball team They have a, a, minus, a negative 165 Run differential Some bright spots 27-62 and 62 as a team But John Means has a 2.5 ERA And a 1.08 whip Awesome year Andrew Kashner has been pretty good He's 9-3 with a 3.83 ERA And a 1.19 whip Jonathan Villard stole 17 bases Trey Mancini is hitting 291 With 17 home runs and 40 RBIs uh, Nunez hit 20 home runs In the first half And uh, Alberto 309 Through 272 at bat So some bright spots in what's been A bad few years For the Baltimore Orioles On to the AL Central The Twins 56 and 33 And I guess it's between The Twins and the the Texas Rangers For what have been the bigger surprise I'm not really surprised that the Twins are good I guess I'm surprised that they're this good And they've been this good it's a little worrisome though Because they've spent lots of time in the first half With the best overall record in baseball And they were up like 8, 9, 10 games For the most part on the Indians And now the Indians have just started playing really well They have won 6 in a row, Cleveland has So now the Twins are only 5.5 games up on Cleveland After Minnesota went 4-6 and six over their last 10 But they're just behind the Yankees and the Astros For the best record in the American League They're tied for the most runs scored They have the highest run differential in the American League at plus 116 and they're tied for the highest batting average at 272. They have 10 players with 10 home runs and then another player with 9. Kepler's hitting 263 with 21 home runs and 55 RBIs. Eddie Rosario, 282 with 20 home runs and 60 RBIs. CJ Krohn, 17 home runs and 54 RBIs. Nelson Cruz, 16 home runs. He's Getting on base, 367 on base percentage. Mitch Garver is 13 home runs in a 295... Average, Polanco is hitting 312 With 111 hits, 14 home runs Even Miguel Sano Who hasn't been hitting that well, he's got 13 home runs Jason Castro has 10 home runs Marwin Gonzalez has 10 home runs And a 331 on base percentage Byron Buxton, 9 home runs 42 RBIs and 12 stolen bases And of all of them I mentioned The only one hitting under 250 Is Sano who's hitting 236 So not only are they all producing But they're all hitting at a nice clip They're getting on base at a good clip And they're hitting for average That's a really well built baseball team The additions of Nelson Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez Helped them so much Made them a little more versatile Just a little more depth Everybody isn't forced There's not as much pressure on everyone To produce all the time And what ends up happening is You produce more because you're not pressed The pitching staff's been really good But the thing with Minnesota is they're still a move or two away They can't rest on their laurels after the very good first half Jose Berrios, He's 8-5 and five with a 3 ERA And a 1.1 whip 14 quality starts and 18 starts And 104 strikeouts and 117 innings pitched Jake Odorizzi 10-4 and four with a 3.15 ERA And a 1.12 whip They've been awesome at the top of the rotation Those two The rest of the rotation's just been okay Martin Perez Kyle Gibson, Michael Pineda has actually improved a little bit late as of late. But you're not, they're okay. They have a 97% chance to make the playoffs. A big three game series right off the bat July 12th, 13th, 14th with the Indians. They still have 13 games left with the Indians in the second half. So this is not over. Cleveland can absolutely make this a race and turn this, this thing around. But Minnesota's been playing well That's why they gotta go out right now and make a move for a pitcher They have to go get a starting pitcher And they have to get a, a bullpen They just need more depth If What if Odorizzi and Berrios Don't have the same type of half they had in the first half they're, Then they're in real trouble So they got to go get a pitcher right now Please Minnesota, do it The Indians 50-38 and 38. They're currently the number 2 wild card team They would make the playoffs if the season ended today They're second in the division, five and a half behind those Twinkies, and they've won six in a row. Really good story. Carlos Carrasco, he is resuming baseball activities after uh, leukemia recently. They're not sure about the timetable, but he thinks he's going to be pitching in like a month, which would be incredible. So hope everything goes well for him. It was a treatable form of leukemia. The Indians entered the season on paper with a really weak offense and no depth, and that's been their biggest issue. Their outfield, they're just getting nothing. Nothing from the outfield. And you, you saw that when you looked at the way their team was built. It, it was like if they're not if their pitching's not carrying them, they're gonna be in a little bit of trouble. And their pitching hasn't been carrying them. Kluber has been awful when he's pitched. Boward's been a little bit up and down. And between Kluber and Clevenger, they haven't even had 60 innings combined between the two of them. It's actually amazing that the Indians are still in the hunt. They're a team like the Yankees who have been so banged up, you expect, I'm kind of surprised that they're still around. Jose Ramirez, you, MVP candidate last year. One of the best players in baseball offensively the last couple of years. Two years ago, 2017, he hit 318 for average, 29 home runs, 83 RBIs. 2018, 270 batting average, 39 home runs and 105 RBIs. Right now, Jose Ramirez is hitting 218 with 7 home runs and 35 RBIs in a, in 317 at bats. We're not talking a small sample size. On June the 2nd, the Twins were 29 and 30. Since then they've gone 21 and 8 and that has kept them alive. Carlos Santana, all-star, 297, hitting 19 home runs, 52 RBIs with a 418 on-base percentage. Francisco Lindor has been solid, 296 with his 14 home runs and 32 RBIs. They need another bat, though. And will they will they offer some of their pitching for a bat? You know, Bauer is the one that keeps getting talked about. Why would they trade Trevor Bauer right now, though, when they're in the mix? You wouldn't want Trevor Bauer in a playoff series if you're able to make it there? You know, Bowers I've had Bauer I've had Bauer on my fantasy team and he's been up and down. And when you look at his numbers, they're better the numbers are better than the year he's had, because he's had a couple good games and they've been really good games, but overall, he's been extremely inconsistent. He's had twenty starts and only twelve of them have been quality starts. And you need more than that from a top of the line Cy Young caliber pitcher. He's eight and six. The real key for the, the Indians. Their first 17 games after the break They play 3 with Minnesota 4 with Detroit 7 with Kansas City And 3 with Toronto So they have 3 with the team that they're chasing And then they have three ser- 4 series with bad teams Detroit, Kansas City, and Toronto The Indians need to make a move right now They need to play really good baseball Over the next 3 weeks to a month they still have 13 games left with Minnesota They are right in the mix Huge shot Let's get to The White Sox You know the White Sox are not really not bad They're 42 and 44 They've got some young talent Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Yoan Moncada, Lurie Garcia, the catcher James McCann Who's hitting 316 and 230 at bats and then you have the veteran presence of Jose Abreu's bat with 20-1 home runs and 66 RBIs. That's why this team is around 500. And then you have a top-of-the-line rotation pitcher with Lucas Giolotto, who's been the lone bright spot for their pitching staff, with a 3.15 ERA, a 1.07 whip, and he's 11-3 with 120 strikeouts and 100 innings pitched. You expected so much more from Nova and Ronaldo Lopez. If you got anything from Nova and Ronaldo Lopez this year, the White Sox will be right in the mix For a wild card spot They have some talent Not really the case for the Detroit Tigers The Tigers are 28-57 and 57. They are last in the American League In runs, hits, home runs, on-base percentage And OPS They have a negative 157 run differential But Shane Green is an all-star And a nice pitcher, Matthew Boyd The 3.87 ERA 1.12 uh, whip, 142 strikeouts in 107 innings pitch. Not a whole lot else to say about the uh, the Tigers in a struggling year. The Royals, 30 and 61. Whit Merrifield with a 306 average, 11 home runs, 44 RBIs, and 13 stolen bases. I mean, this team steals a ton of bases. They're fast, but they just have a miserable pitching staff. Jorge Soler. 23 home runs and 59 RBIs Adalberto Mondesi, 28 steals They have 4 of the top 12 in the league In stolen bases They just have no pitching And we move on To the AL East The Final Division for us to talk about In baseball The Houston Astros you, You always think of the Houston Astros Last few years As a team that is Very good and deserves to be in the conversation For winning the World Series And that is absolutely the case this year Again They have a 99.7 chance to make the playoffs They have a 99.2% chance To win the division They are solid at the top of the rotation With Verlander, with Garrett Cole Verlander with a 2.98 ERA and a 0.81 whip He is not giving up many hits But he is giving up some home runs He's given up 26 home runs and 19 starts And he's been vocal about how he thinks the ball Is juiced and is flying out uh, they've, they've definitely done something to the ball Houston is 7.5 games up on Oakland They are 9 games up on Texas When When you look at their staff With Verlander, with Garrett Cole With Wade Miley who's been really good 3.28 ERA, 1.17 whip in 101 innings pitched. But they I think they need one more starting pitcher to help them through the rest of the season and maybe another arm that they could use in a, in a playoff series because I don't know the if that's going to be enough for them with those three pitching-wise. Their their bullpen's very good and their margin of error is incredible because of their offense. Look at their offense. Brantley, Springer, Bregman Guriel, Chirinos Redick, and now Jordan Alvarez Altuve hasn't even been good this year He's hitting 262 with 10 runs and 2 stolen bases only He's been injured Correa's coming back from an injury When you add Correa and Altuve To Brantley, Springer, Bregman Guriel, Chirinos, Redick And Alvarez This team is unbelievable Offensively and really really deep but they just did have a recent seven game losing streak to show that they're not unbeatable, although a lot of that losing streak had to do with some of the injuries coming. Untimely injuries. Not unbeatable, still need a little more pitching, but they're right there at the top. They deserve to be spoken right there with the Yankees, right there with the twins. The thing that we can we can see with all of these teams, even even Red Sox, the Red Sox, And likely the next team we're going to talk about, the Oakland A's, because the Oakland A's do it every year. Everybody needs a pitcher, another starter, and another reliever. I don't think the Yankees need another reliever. They need a starter. Boston definitely needs a reliever and probably another starter because their starting pitching has not been great. Cleveland doesn't need any pitching, but they need a bat. The Twins need pitching. So everybody's got a need. Everybody. Even the really good teams that are the favorites to win, the Oakland A's just keep doing it, huh? Like a total another Oakland A's year. They only have a seventeen point seven percent chance to make the playoffs, which I think is a little, little low. But it's a typical A's team. They're just a slightly better than they should be. Semyon Chapman's hitting twenty-one home runs with fifty-two RBIs. Loriano, Robbie Grossman, Matt Olson—they're all steady. Those are the major parts of their lineup none of them are flashy this A's team is seven and a half games behind Houston for the division they are a game and a half behind Cleveland for the second wild card spot there then the A's are actually ahead of the Red Sox for the that second wild card spot they're gonna be battling with Boston with Cleveland it looks like with Texas perhaps the real reason why Oakland is still in this is because, they went 15 and 10 in May and 17 and 11 in June. So that's a two-month spurt where they've played very good baseball. They had to do that just to give themselves a chance. I never understand how their pitching gets by. It's just like duct tape starter, bring this one in, another starter, someone out of the bullpen for a few innings, and they do it. I don't get it. It, it somehow they they find ways to win games. It's never a formula that I think can win them a playoff series or win them a World Series. But it it sure. Helps them overachieve in the regular season. Mike Fiers, Brett Anderson, Frankie Montas, who's suspended at the moment and won't be able to pitch in the playoffs if he comes back. Those have been the three pitchers that have carried them through the first half. Coming up, play three against Seattle and two against the White Sox. So five winnable games. Then they play four against Minnesota, three against Houston, four against Texas, which... They're battling for a wild card. Three against Milwaukee, two against St. Louis, and three against the Cubs. So the schedule is going to get tough for Oakland after these winnable five games right off the bat against Seattle and the White Sox. The Texas Rangers, probably for me the biggest surprise in in the league. When you look at their team on paper, you thought they had a couple young, okay role players or okay everyday players. Maybe Mike Miner at the top of the rotation. They've been getting a lot of vet contributions. Elvis Andrews, Sin Su Chu, Nomar Mazzara, Joey Gallo, Logan Forsythe, Hunter Pence, all good years. Joey Gallo took his game to the next level. So did Elvis Andrews. Joey Gallo's become a better contact hitter. They only have a 2% chance to make the playoffs, but they're 48 and 42 right now. Mike Miner has a 2.54 ERA and a 1.13 whip with 114 strikeouts. Lance Lynn has a 3.9 ERA and a 1.2 whip. 123 strikeouts in 115 innings pitched. They've been as far as the metric war is concerned, two of the best pitchers in the American League. And they're getting enough from from Sampson and Herado. They're just 3 games back of Cleveland for that second wild card spot. And you know, they're chasing Houston. They're 9 behind Houston, but they play Houston in 7 of their 9 their next 9 games. They have an opportunity to To put themselves right back in the hunt for the division If they can win You know five or six of those games Against Houston At what point of the season though Will they decide are they buyers Or sellers if they hang around Are they going to go out and look to try to add some pitching Or at some point are they going to say you know what We're not we're out of this Now maybe we can trade away A a piece of the or a piece or two To to a team that could use uh, Some some addition Moving forward to the playoffs the Angels, they've been around a 500 team all year, 45 and 46 just kind of inconsistent you can't mention the Angels without talking about the incredibly sad news of the death of Tyler Skaggs, the starting pitcher for the Angels just a few weeks uh, a few weeks ago, horrible news prayers and, and thoughts with his family and, and everyone around him because all, everything mentioned about him was great and him just just horrible horrible news and you never can really make a transition from talking about something like that to get right to get back into baseball. But you look at the Angels team and they're just—they're not a very good. They look just like an average baseball team. Mike Trout is always going to be good. He's hitting 301 again, 28 home runs and 67 RBIs. And Then you have Tommy Listello who's having a really good year. He's hitting 300 with 16 home runs. Cole Calhoun's having a nice year with 19 home runs. They only have a 1.5% chance to make the playoffs It's just not a lot of consistency With their pitching staff When you saw their staff on paper It just looked like they were not going to be a deep, uh, Enough pitching staff And um, unfortunately they, They're not a move away They still feel like they're a couple moves away They have 14 games left with the Astros though 14 In the second half That could be good for the Angels But it, was more likely bad when you're playing. It's fun to have those games left against the team you're chasing, but not when they're a powerhouse like the Astros are. So we'll see uh, if the Angels can improve at all in the second half of the season. Let's get to some of your your thoughts. Okay, so if you mention anything about the National League teams, I will mention your posts when I go through the National League teams on the next show. Craig Milkowski, The Orioles are humble, are horrible, and unworthy of any discussion at this point in time. Red Sox uh, Fred Orr said the Red Sox are horrible and unworthy of any discussion at this time. Craig said, "I wish the O's could be that terrible." Ryan K. Vikeshack Twins said the Twins need to get healthy. The All Star break is coming at the right time. Yes, we were up 12 games a little over a month ago, but I would have taken a five and a half game lead at the beginning of the season. I hope our front office goes for the wins this year and makes a trade for a starting pitcher and a relief pitcher. I'm with you, Ryan. Those are the moves they need to make. Right now. Don't even wait. Don't wait until you're only up two or three games. Go right now and do it. Spooky electric. Confidence growing with the Padres. Wild card run coming in the second half. Yeah, they got plenty of pieces. They played well against the Dodgers before the uh, before the All-Star break. What? They took three or four from the Dodgers. We'll get to the more National League stuff, though. Uh, Mike Martinez Anthony and Alex AA Talk Stuff Says the Red Sox Crappy April And bad bullpen Blown leads Are masking How good the offense Has been He's right It's interesting to see How good ev- uh, How Evaldi does As the closer And what the bullpen Reinforcement they get At the deadline If any Another move They have to make You know Bullpen move or Even with Evaldi I still think You go get another arm To help set up But you heard Those numbers The Red Sox Offense is incredible It's It's just that, the situational pitching The pitching overall hasn't even been that bad Bangkok Buck Says the Aroltis Chapman Is sneakily a mess Okay, well something to keep an eye on For the second half of the season moving forward Pinstripe Talk uh, Podcast Says considering all the injuries The Yankees are in a nice spot heading into the All-Star break They definitely need to bolster the rotation And hopefully some key guys Such as Batonce, Severino, Stanton Return healthy and help this team down the stretch was Pinstripe Talk Podcast So those were all the uh, the posts on Twitter If you posted something about the National League teams Don't worry, I'm going to get to them when, uh, when we do the National League tomorrow Let's get over to some of your posts From Facebook John says the AL stinks In 2019, no real races Red Sox not going to make the playoffs As they did not sign anyone in the offseason And they are more interested in things outside of baseball Okay, John John Parkett says The Yankees still need an ace with all the injuries that they've had so far this season Is it allowed the young players to make a name for themselves The Yankees should be able to trade these players For an ace-come-trade deadline It's a good point Mark Vaca said the Red Sox World Series hangover Seems to be done The next series versus the Dodgers will be an indicator On how the second half will go Yeah, fun series coming up with the, Yan- uh, with the Red Sox Against the Dodgers to start The second half of the season And Michelle DeWilt Says I'm a Royals fan So you would be talking about how bad they are can't win with no pitching yeah Michelle no pitching some fun young players who are speedy fast have some talent but just zero zero pitching appreciate all your posts on the uh, on the baseball side of things and I want to give a shout out to Andrew Bennett who is one of the listeners. Before we get into uh, the Saratoga discussion with the a best bet in the Saratoga stakes race Andrew was playing in darts and he said it was. And I have a topic for your next podcast I, he was trying to qualify for the North American Championship and PDC US Darts Master at Mandalay Bay and he had uh, tried to qualify, he said he made it to the top 64 he said it should have flown in but it was a fantastic event, 10,000 goes to the winner And then Andrew sent me some of the links To the Professional Darts Corporation So I always think it's cool when I see something That I'm not Completely used to And there's a video on my page On Facebook You can check out the The darts competition And I always like hearing from that So if you ever have a cool, funny sport Something going on, something near you Share it with me, I'll give it a a shout out here Let's close things out With a couple... Races to play, Saratoga Opening day, I'm going to go through A lot of Saratoga And a lot of Del Mar races, and then when Del Mar Starts next week, I'm going to have a Play of the day, every day Released on a video On social media, so follow Me on Twitter at It's me, Gino B Facebook.com slash Gino Bacola Instagram, at G Bacola And every day when Del Mar is running I will have a best bet for the day. I'll post a little video. I'll give you the horse that I like, a little bit of information about that horse. Every single day. So keep an eye on that once the Del Mar race meet starts next week. Some some days there'll be maybe two. I'll throw a Saratoga one in there. But there will, at every Del Mar racing day, there will be a play. Saratoga opening day is Thursday, June the 11th. And I'm not going to go through the entire card here I'm not going to go through Because there's going to be a lot of racing Throughout the summer So I'm not going to force myself into betting Full cards all the time Or going through full cards all the time We have to pick and choose our spots To pick and choose the horses that we like Sequences that we like The races that we like So let's move to race number 3 And let's talk about The number 7 The Rock says Know your damn role And bet this damn horse Finally, The Rock has come back to Saratoga. The Rock says, I mean that's the type, I just play horses based on their names, right? That's all it is. It doesn't matter anything more than what the name is. I'm I'm kidding, obviously, folks, but I think The Rock says has a huge shot here, and I would play the number 7 The Rock says to win at anything over 5 to 2. And if you play any early exotics, if you play the early pick 5 or if you play anything, sing I would single the rock says. In the third race at Saratoga, there is not a lot of speed. Up and down. The 4 has a little bit of speed. Wouldn't be shocked to see the 3 show a bit of speed. The 6, a little bit of speed, but none of them really have have a lot of speed. The rock says is the quickest Naturally, and could get right on the front end, take this field wire to wire. And if he doesn't want to, he can sit right off from the outside. I think he is drawn so, so well with his running style to either get to the lead or to sit just off the pace. Let's talk about The Rock says last couple races. Let's go back to May the 26th. He broke, he's at Churchill Downs. It's in the slop, it's on the main track. It's his first time going a mile and a 16th on his first time going. On the dirt, it's not the dirt, it's the slop that day He'd raced on the grass in his first two starts And they were both fine races on the grass So he breaks well on May the 26th He's three deep into the turn He's just a length off, then he drops back a little bit He's sitting two deep, he's in the clear He looms up three deep Very nicely, opens up two And he just holds on So you get a little worried, "Ah, You know, maybe he got tired Late, or he just holds on But then you look at the field He beat three next out winners Including the horse who was the runner up the, and the third place finisher Morning Social came back to win a maiden special weight out of that Hitch, who was third, came back to win a maiden special weight, And then the ninth place finisher, Sandville, came back to win a maiden 40 claimer He is probably the one to catch But he does not need the lead He is drawn well Let's go back to the June 20th race He's a step slow And then he rushes up, he's three wide He sats he sits 3 off In 3rd and 4th and He's asked a bit He makes that big 3 wide bid Up to challenge But he just couldn't get by the winner That was a wire to wire winner He looked like he was going to blow by But the horse on the front end Had a little more left And was able to, k- to kick clear And what ended up happening The Rock says dropped back a little bit It looked like he was going to run 3rd or 4th But then he wins the battle for 2nd He's drawn very well in here He's the horse to beat. He's the horse to bet at 5-2. He's the horse to key and single in any of your early exotics. The Rock says I'm a winner in race number three at Saratoga. Let's move on to the eighth race. This is the Skylerville. These are two-year-old fillies. So this whole group, it's a group of nine. They've all raced once, twice. Or zero times in the case of the seven. Buxom Beast who's a first time starter. And the only one in here who's raced twice is Lady Fatima. So this is a group of lightly raced fillies. Who were all good. In their debuts. Or good in their last starts. Who have a lot of upside. Who can improve. And these races are fun and they're tough. The one shippy. For Doug O'Neill. She is a private purchase now. Because she won first time out. At Laurel Park, she broke really well. She took back to second. She moved easily to the lead without being asked. It was an extremely impressive performance. Now she comes over and she faces a much tougher group. She'll hook horses who have won at Gulfstream, Santa Anita, Belmont Park, you know, parks in Indy. All over the place. And she draws the rail, which I'm a little concerned about. Most of these fillies have speed. So unless Shippy breaks really really well She could get stuck in that spot Where she gets shuffled a little bit back So I'm going to put Shippy in the second and third spot And not on the win spot In this race Integral is the two She broke on top, she opened up two immediately And she she never looked back It was never in doubt But I don't know how strong that group she beat was The horse who ran second Did not run devil Did not come back and, and run well Next time we saw her and I just don't know if Integral is as talented as some of the others in here. The 3 is his glory. She broke right on top with the top couple. She battled up to the lead. And she drew off with ease the top of the lane. A nice winner at Indy for Tom Amos. He knows quality Phillies. Problem is, just you look and she's got speed to the inside. She's going to likely have speed right next door With Lula's Roadrunner She's going to have speed right to the outside of that with Comical I just think she's drawn in a tough spot Right in the middle of all the speeds Lula's Roadrunner is the 4 In her debut win At Park, she was 4th She was a couple lengths off Then she moved up to battle She stuck her nose in front At the top of the lane She had to battle all the way Back and forth And then she edged clear late It was a determined win Like uh, no knocks on his glory And Lula's Roadrunner I wouldn't even talk you off them in the bottom Like third and fourth spots of of some of the exotics I'm going to play a trifecta And I won't have them on the bottom of it But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with you using them as bottom flyers I just don't think they're quite as good As the top few Comical I think is One of the top few I really loved her debut win She broke on top She dealt with pressure to the outside, from the horse who was the favorite, Golden State Golden Star Lady, and Golden Star Lady ended up finishing second, and Golden Star Lady was five and three quarters lengths of the third place finisher, so she ran well that day, although Golden Star Lady did not come back and run well next out, so some mixed signals with that, what I do like is that comical, trounced Golden Star Lady, when you win by six, it's tough, it's tougher to use you know, a, a negative That the horses behind you didn't run well When you just crushed them, anyways I think you must use her in any of your exotics Castellano jumps aboard for Doug O'Neill Very strong hand in this race for Doug O'Neill With both the one shippy And the five comical The six lady Fatima In her debut She got stuck in tight and on the inside And shuffled a bit Figuring things out That was on the dirt going four and a half furlongs That was back in April Last out she tried the grass. She took back after a good start. She was fifth to sixth. She was traveling well. She angled out at the top of the lane in between horses and just got up. I will use her in my trifectas in the second and third spots. I like the fact that she has experience. I like the fact that she's shown the ability to pass horses, and I think she might be one of a few in here who could be actually passing horses when many are going to be really close or right on the lead. The 7 is Bucks and Beast. First-time starter for Gary Contessa, nine siblings from the damn potluck dinner, nine fulls that have raced. All of them are multiple winners, including Gourmet Dinner, who was a millionaire, with six-time winner, who won his first three starts, and was the Delta Jackpot winner. Not 100% high on this particular horse, Bucks and Beasts, in this particular spot. Now, you always have to think that when connections are willing to start are willing to debut a first time starter In a stakes race that they feel very highly About the abilities of that Of that animal I just like a couple others in here I think there are a couple nice fillies Like the 8 Aurelia, Gar- Aurelia Garland Who was a step slow but recovered well Was right up in contention, was 3 wide uh, Was 2 deep at the top of the lane Then started to draw off 1 by 5 For Wesley Ward Now Wesley Ward has not been very good at Saratoga No secret, he hasn't been good in the, the grand stakes races and really at Saratoga, period, his numbers are about half of what they usually are, percentage-wise. She fits, but can't use them all. But I can't use the nine. Kiss the girl. Three-wide battle early. Pressed from the two-path. Up to lead at the top of the lane. Draws off. I have the five and the nine as my tops in here. Right with the six. So I I, I think you can play the three of them. I'd play a trifecta, box, one, one of them with those three horses, five, six, nine, and maybe exact as with those three, five, six, nine. And then the real play is a trifecta, five, nine with one, five, six, nine with one, five, six, nine. So let's put comical and kiss the girl in the top spot. And then we'll use shippy, comical, lady Fatima, and kiss the girl in the second and the third spots there. And if, so you can see my, my top two. Are the five and the nine? If I would prefer comical, but it's it's all about the price, right? Like if Kiss the Girl floats up and is a much better price, then I would bet Kiss the Girl to win and not bet Comical. And if Comical gets bet down, I'm not going to bet Comical to win. You always have to be ready to call an audible in your handicapping. You have to be ready to make a change if it, if it calls for it. Okay, so the two plays remind you one more time: Saratoga opening day, third race number seven. The Rock says. To bet me at anything over five to two and single me in the early exotics and in the eighth race, trifecta five nine with one five six nine with one five six nine. Thank you for tuning in, folks. Make sure if you can get on over to iTunes, leave a nice five star rating and review. Every time you leave me another one, it just gives me more incentive to want to do more and more for you. So if you can, please, 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 those are big helps. Those are basically like putting dollars right in my pockets. Five star rating and review. Over at iTunes Make sure to subscribe on YouTube SoundCloud Tune in everywhere All over the place, you name it Thanks again, have a very nice Rest of your week and I'll be back in just a couple days For for lots more Joey buddy, take it away